Hello, I'm your host, Effi Pilarino, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Vedang Vatsa, who is a star on LinkedIn and a community builder. He is really uh, one of the top, I would say, influencers in the Web3 community. First of all, let me welcome you, Vedang. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you for making the time. Thank you, FC. Thank you for inviting me. Hello, everyone. We have connected because you run all these forums around Web3. You have built a community or rather you foster communities. And you have really a very unique positioning in this emerging and broadening world of Web3. So I want to welcome you and ask you, your background is a consulting background. It's a technical background. When did you run across Web3 and start focusing? When did that bug bite you? First of all, thank you. Thank you again for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Like you said, I have a consulting background. I did my master's in computer engineering, and then I did my MBA as well. So I do have a technical a computer engineering and business background. And then as a consultant, I worked on policies that are related to IT, which include emerging technologies, AI, Web3, uh, you know, crypto, uh, blockchain, quantum. So I was reading uh, a lot of technical stuff every day, a lot of policies from around the world every day. This was in 2015 or 16, when like others, I wanted to get rich quickly through crypto. You know, the common yeah, mentality. This was not exactly the reason, but I wanted to experiment with what exactly this thing was because it was gaining traction those days. So this is how I got into cryptocurrencies, although cryptocurrencies did not have a legal or legal backing back then. They don't even have legal backing right now in most of the countries. So it was quite difficult. It was not a very easy choice, but I still, uh, you know, try to figure out what exactly is this thing because of my background in, the, in emerging technologies. And then how did the Web3 broader concept, because crypto, I guess, is preceding Web3, but today Web3 is, is much uh, broader than crypto and, you know, some uh, might even argue that maybe it's not even necessary. How did you run across DeFi? What is your pulse today? Tell us a bit about the forums that you run also, which a lot of them are focused on decentralized finance. So um, I got into crypto and uh, when I started learning more about the technologies involved, I understood that this is not just about disrupting the world order through financial system of crypto, through this new financial system of cryptocurrencies, but there was this whole philosophy of decentralization in a way that this philosophy wanted to gain control out of people or organizations or institutions that, uh, that held the power and that were restricting them in a way, in some ways, to interact directly with the other parties. So decentralization and uh, giving power back to the people was somehow the philosophy that I understood. 
and when i tried to understand more about you know what other applications this philosophy or this ideology was offering defi was one of the main things so there are many applications that include crypto but there are some applications that operate more on the on this philosophy of decentralization you know not involving central organizations or central parties or agents uh, in the whole process of banking or financial systems so this is the whole idea which got me interested in this and then i started reading about dao decentralized organizations defi and and then there, there was a wave of nft that came in but what exactly was the application or use cases that we could find of this hype so researching about all these so i did make a lot of publications on these concepts and yes apart from this so i belong from south asia and in many countries in south asia like particularly in india there was a wave there was a huge sentiment of linking up the unbanked banking the unbanked or linking the people who are out of the grid with the financial system so governments in these new countries in these asian countries are trying their best to link people through the banking grid and uh, although i would not say that defi is helping in that directly but defi works on a similar philosophy i mean one of the use cases of defi one of the applications of one of the offerings of defi can be something of this sort so yes this is again something that i find very intriguing very interesting that it offers an opportunity for people who are not linked with official formal banking system to avail the benefits that a banking system can offer yeah so so participate in in the economic activity whatever it is without the need of the traditional or formal structure but it seems to me that this has not actually happened the philosophy is there the intention is there sometimes forgotten but mostly as you correctly said that's the core philosophy and sometimes it might have to do with reducing costs so certain activities can be done in an economic fashion because the truth is for a bank to send 10 cents you know from one person to another let alone from one country to another it would be too costly and the question is whether in a defi system that is viable economically and then there's the disintermediation that you spoke about and decentralization not to depend on that but what do you think it, it would take for defi to succeed in this intention or mission or philosophy because for now it hasn't it's a very interesting question i feel because as soon as people started to you know put efforts in understanding technology we bombarded them with huge huge terms like cryptography blockchain when they were trying to understand what can ai bring to their life through movies through books we bombarded them with heavy heavy technologies heavy terms these difficult terms the first thing that i would like to put up with with that story is there's a huge challenge of education people are not aware there's a lack there's a gap of education here which is 
restricting a lot of people to get into this area. So when there is lack of education, there is risk involved and people are not aware of these risks. We are hearing a lot of scams happening, not to just individuals, but to large companies. So, you know, if, if these big companies who can afford to have developers and scientists in the world, if they can get scammed or hacked, then, uh, you know, it creates an amount of risk in everyone's mind. So getting on to the main point, education is a big gap that we see currently. More education is needed about DeFi and how it works. And this will help to demystify DeFi and make it more approachable to the general public. So education is one. And then, like I said, when people were starting to get educated about other technology, we started bombarding them with huge terms like cryptography, blockchain. And people are not very accustomed to this new philosophy, to this new technology, to the interfaces that this new technology is offering. Is like a whole new revolution, is like a whole new phase of internet. And uh, this new phase of internet has to work on easy interfaces so that people can feel more comfortable. People can see these uh, applications to be more secure. So user-friendly interfaces is something that I believe can help people get more into this ecosystem. DeFi protocols need to be more user-friendly in order to attract mainstream adoption. And this could involve developing more intuitive interfaces or making it easier to understand the risks involved. So could the core point here is user-friendly interfaces is something that is the need of the R for DeFi applications. And the last thing that I would like to mention here is about the regularity or policy-related clarity. A lot of countries, so like a lot of people, like a lot of corporations, like a lot of organizations, governments also do not know completely what exactly they should be doing in this field. So regularity, clarity is needed to provide investors with confidence in DeFi protocols. And this could involve creating a regulatory framework that especially addresses DeFi or by clarifying how existing regulations apply to DeFi. So yes, you know, briefly, education is required. User-friendly interfaces can help and regularity, clarity, bring more confidence in the minds of investors and organizations to operate in any geography. Right. But then tell us a little bit about the communities, the forums uh, that you run. What is the purpose, the nature? Give us a sense of that. If um, uh, our audience would like to join and, and understand how they would benefit. So when I got into this this field, I wanted to interact with good people, you know, good people like you, I see. Uh, I wanted to interact with them and I wanted to understand what is going on in this field. So out of my hobby, I started creating small groups, small communities where I was just talking to people, introducing myself and, you know, more of a friend circle I was creating. And this got me hooked. This got me interested because I was meeting a lot of people. I was talking to a lot of people. I was getting the chance to learn about new things from those good people. And this is how I started creating more communities. And now I run one of the largest free job board on Telegram and a large number of regional and global communities. So in these communities, I try to create an ecosystem, I try to create an environment where people can ask their questions, 
can where people can you know ask for help offer help offer things to the community members share their updates about the community about their company about themselves so it is more like a friendly ecosystem that i try to create and i understood that you know jobs is employment opportunities is something that a lot of people require and with that mindset i started creating groups communities social messaging communities where people can find employment opportunities where people can post jobs from their companies where where investors can find companies where they can invest so basically it is a win 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 i'm and trying to create a win 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 situation for everyone but managing a community is a huge task i'm trying to deploy a lot of ai or technology tools bots so that i can automate the spam reduction i can automate the posting of relevant material uh, educational content so yes it started as a hobby project it is still a hobby project and i enjoy being a part of it within this is the focus is always on web3 be it the community or or the jobs uh yes uh web3 has been the focus of it and i've also started focusing on ai since we are seeing a lot of ai so it makes sense to connect people who are into that field so yes primarily it is web3 and ai is a new thing that i'm trying to create new community that i'm trying to create and give give us a sense of that sentiment or what's going on in the web3 job market the way you see it because in the what i would call traditional tech world or broad tech world we know that it's been a very tough year with a lot of layoffs and a lot of uh negative fearful sentiment that the uh, tech jobs are going to be taken uh, away especially because of ai i personally think that we won't be replaced by ai but if we don't upskill we will be replaced by people that will upskill but what's going on in web3 world from your point of view you rightly mentioned that people lost a lot of jobs and it actually makes me very sad when i get messages from people saying that uh, you know vedang i lost my job please help me i mean i i have some resources but sometimes i feel helpless because i cannot help them the job market has not been very good in the recent couple of months and uh, a lot of people lost their jobs very few companies are hiring currently very few companies have been hiring in the last few months so the job market is not all positive but uh, since the last few weeks i'm seeing a little increase in the number of jobs that are being posted so that is a positive thing so this is a brief of my understanding about what where the job market is going but i want to talk about the kind of jobs that we are talking about in web3 because the web3 market does not always offer the same kind of opportunities that we have traditionally been into so typically in a web3 organizations you will not be asked to come to their london office to their singapore office every day you will have the opportunity to work from your home in kenya in uh, mexico yeah. in, everywhere you can work from your home you can be a digital nomad you can hop on countries and you know live a life of a digital nomad and simultaneously work for an organization 
So there's a whole different structure of work. There's a whole different ideology or philosophy of work that we are talking about. <sighs> Apart from this, the jobs in Web3 are not typically full-time. Full-time, as we know it, you can work on it full-time. You get the uh, benefits that you get from a typical organization in a permanent or full-time job. But on paper, most of the jobs are contractual. A lot of the jobs treat a worker or employee as a freelancer. And that is okay in Web3. You know, talk is about it on a project mission. basis, uh, typically? Web3 seems to have a whole new term for this. So bounty is a term that they have introduced, uh, which is typically a freelance role or short-term role. You know, that is more inclined towards do this task only and you will get this much of money. That's it. This structure is called bounty. It was there in Web2, just the terminology and the structures in, in some ways. So in most of the cases in a Web3 organization, you can enjoy remote working. You can enjoy asynchronous communication. So you don't have to respond to someone, to your boss right now, since you're working remotely. You may have to get into a lot of Zoom calls. So these are all the good things. But on the other hand, your relationship will be contractual. It can be a freelance arrangement in most of the cases. It can be a permanent or uh, full-time role as well, based on the communication that you have with your company. But so these are some of the you know things that you should consider while taking a Web3 job. But overall, these salaries are higher than Web2 roles. So that is, again, a good thing. So it's a balance of a, a lot of things that you need to consider when you apply for a Web3 job. Would you say that beyond the bounties, a typical Web3 um, job is for six months or for a year or what is it? Hmm. Or is it different? I wouldn't, I wouldn't put a number here, Epi, but you can do the job as long as you enjoy a good relationship with your boss provide value to the company and the company's revenue is flowing in the market. So as long as the company stays in the market, as long as you provide value to them, you are there. And I guess most of the Web3 companies are our earlier stage or in any case, they're not scaled. So we're talking about those types of companies. And what about DAOs? What about those types of organizations are you seeing an increased interest are you seeing increased sort of structures again we know that we don't have the legal clarity except in in very few jurisdictions but are you seeing any change there or not mm. so the DAO is a very good structure in many ways the whole aspect of a job role in Web3 is that you need to have the skill. That's it. It doesn't matter whether you're white, brown, what, where, which country are you from. If you can do it, name your price, do it. And this is uh, the same process according to my limited understanding that is being followed that gets followed in a, in a DAO. The only problem in a DAO is that, and, and it is not a problem actually, it is a boon, it is a good thing in some way, is that da finding the right DAO which matches with the 
vision that you have for yourself. Finding the right DAO is a challenge. DAOs are like underground communities. I mean, not completely underground, but it is hard to find a DAO. And then if you find a DAO, then you'll have to understand what they're doing, what is the process, what is the, you know, what is the way for you to get into it. And when you get into it, you know, start contributing to the discussions, then you'll have to find out where you can contribute and then send a proposal to the DAO. You know, maybe I can work on the social media to bring them more interest in some way. You can propose to the DAO that I can work on your social media. I can do, you know, I can do your Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever it is. TikTok, I can make TikTok videos for, for this DAO or for this particular cause of the DAO, and that can bring more traffic. Then you, you can put up a proposal, and then it is up to the DAO members to accept it. And there you got a job. So structure is completely different. It is, a more, it is more of a skill and communication first. Uh, DAOs, do DAOs uh, have job postings or not really? It's, it's reversed. You go in there and you see mm-hmm. what needs to be done and kind of you know, uh, um, make yourself part of the community and, and say, hey, guys, we need to do this. This needs to be done. Is it like that or are there job postings from DAOs? It is both, actually. It's, uh, both ways uh, work for a DAO. It is good to be a part of a community, you know, so that you can feel like a part of the family. If I relate a doubt to a family, it is good to feel like a member of the family and then, you know, work for that family. So that is one way of getting into a tribe, family or, you know, DAO. Other than this, yes, there are many DAOs that post opportunities out there in the public on different job boards. So it is both ways. So, so am I correct in thinking that the DAO is the next generation of a digital cooperative that has a very is aiming for a decentralized governance structure and um, yeah it's inventing the way we'll do it because there isn't one way there's many ways right there isn't a standard way mm. have you seen anything that in some, in what area have you seen a DAO? You don't need to name it. That is successfully moving along, successfully in the sense of it's not sort of dying. It's you know evolving with its mission, because mm. we know after the big accident or or incident, if you want, of of the DAO, which was a DAO in investing, right? After mm-hmm. that, we haven't seen anything uh, anywhere close to being big or, or knowing about it, but there are many DAOs around in different areas. Is there some area that you're seeing progress? Or what mm. are the areas that, that most DAOs are in? Oh, so it is interesting. There are some good regional DAOs that are helping, that are doing good work in the financial ecosystem, especially in lending. And there, there was one doing good work in insurance as well. So yes, that was creating a change in some ways, but this change is very small compared to uh, yeah. the change that a big corporation can bring. 
Yeah, yeah. And as compared to the needs that exist out there still, because, you know, the, the needs unfortunately are increasing given the microeconomic conditions that, that are not favorable and after COVID and everything. But then I'd like to thank you for sharing your insights, your experiences, what you're seeing in this world. I would share with our audience where they can find you, how they can follow you on the, the various platforms. But before I leave you, I'd like to ask you one or two more personal questions what are you excited about these days in terms of Web3 and, and these advanced technologies and maybe what you're reading? What is inspiring you? Mm. Sure, sure, sure. So in Web3, I'm, I'm particularly very interested in how these new companies are trying to create an easy interface so that more people can enter into Web3. I'm particularly very excited about that. Secondly, I find it interesting to see how much innovation is going on in the infrastructure, in building the infrastructure for Web3 or decentralized applications to prosper. So these are the two things that I find very interesting. The infrastructure part and uh, making sure that apps can bring good user experience through a good interface. The book that I'm reading is this, The Almanac, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. It is blurred. So I'm reading the Almanac of Naval Khan. I particularly like reading Naval because he has very intriguing, very good philosophical understanding of life. And I like this thing about him. So it gives, it helps me get more clarity on my thinking process. This is what I'm doing currently. This is what I'm reading. Thank you very much, Vedang. Thanks a lot.